0: Welcome to the Breaking Startups podcast, where we feature stories of people from non-traditional backgrounds who broke into tech. Today, we're speaking with Wayne Neal, who is the co-founder of the GrowthX Academy, a 12-week immersive full-time educational experience program focusing on career in sales, growth marketing, and UX design. The Academy was born out of the need for more non-technical roles in the tech space. Prior to this, Wayne was an operator at several companies He started his own design consultancy and got several degrees, including a doctorate in UX design. Originally from Ohio, Wayne currently lives in Phoenix, and today he shares with us his insightful perspectives on the current state of alternative educational programs, as well as how you could break into non-technical roles at startups. Over the last few months, we've had an amazing outreach from you, our fans, asking for specific next steps you could take to break into tech. We'll listen to you guys and put together the Breaking the Startups 5-Step Challenge. If you go to breakingthestartups.com forward slash challenge, you can learn all about the challenge and the instructions. The main objectives of the 5-steps is to get you connected with others who have similar backgrounds and interests and learn how to build relationships with people in tech who will become your biggest advocates. And as always, give us your feedback by dropping a review on iTunes. It's not only the best way to tell our team what you think of this podcast but it will also help us tailor stories to what you the audience wants to hear now without further ado please enjoy this episode and let's break in
1: growing up we're told that in order to be successful you need to be a banker a doctor or a lawyer that's what the gatekeepers want you to think but we're part of something bigger we're part of a technological revolution either you're at the table or on the table get in the end. 10x Yo, 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 this is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies, Archer and Timur Meister, and this is the Breaking into Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today?
0: Yeah, so today we're recording this episode out of Galvanize, which is located in Soma SF. And uh, we have a great guest who's going to help us understand how to break into those non-technical roles uh, that include sales, growth marketing, and UX design. So Arthur, can you please introduce the guest? Thanks, Timur. We have Wayne Neal on our podcast today, who is a co-founder of GrowthX Academy. It's a 12-week full-time educational experience program focusing on careers in sales, growth marketing, and UX design. Before that, Wayne was an operator at several companies, started his own design consultancy, and got several degrees and even a doctorate in UX design. He's originally from Ohio, lives in Phoenix right now, and has a lot of interesting perspectives on the current state of alternative educational programs. Wayne, before we begin, take us back and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and where you got your start.
2: Sure. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. So like you said, I grew up in Ohio. Actually, you I never think about this until I started the academy, but when I graduated high school, I actually went to what they called in those days vocational school. Mm -hmm. It was an airline school for how to get into an airline. Uh, It was a three-month program in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so I I went through that right after high school because I knew I wanted to go to college someday but wasn't ready for it. This seemed like an escape out of Ohio, which is important for (laughs) most people that live in Ohio. I hope you guys don't broadcast to Ohio, right? (laughs) I don't think not yet. Uh, But um, yeah, that got me out to LA for a job. And then I spent 12 years there going through the various colleges, so an undergrad and, and master's there, and then uh, moved to Virginia to do the PhD in Virginia Tech. And so after I graduated from that, I went to a big company. It was my first big company, Kodak at the time, and it was right when the web was just coming about, and I was doing some of that work in grad school, You know, learning what the web was all about, building a couple of websites, doing things like that, and trying to apply you know, good design to what was now an emerging technology at the time, and a, and a very different one. Right? It wasn't just tech; it was about you know everything we know about the internet today. And what I learned, which I didn't know about myself, which I was always an entrepreneur, and so I was an entrepreneur at Kodak, um, where we started the whole internet group from nothing to over three hundred people, several online imaging businesses, etc. And since then. My first company, I went into a startup after that company and have now been in either working at a startup or founding or co founding a total of, I think, 10 startups. And I think uh, GrowthX Academy is uh, my 11th, I believe. So
0: that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about GrowthX and uh, some of the cool things, how you guys differentiate yourself from other alternative educational programs and why you started it. And why you started.
2: Yeah, sure, sure. So, Growth X actually, which is different from Growth X Academy, started as a and is a venture capital fund, so we're a seed stage capital uh, venture capital fund investing in startups and tech that are typically um, past the angel round, have some early traction, some customers, um, maybe a little bit of revenue, and then we help them get from that point to a series A round by our philosophy at GrowthX was about. Um, not every, you know, tech company or entrepreneur should have to move to Silicon Valley. We think it's more important that they're closer to their customers than to their capitalists. And we see entrepreneurialism, you know, rising all over the world in these ecosystems. And so, you know, at some point, Silicon Valley may not dominate, you know, the scene like they do today. it always be an important um, player in, in the scene, obviously. But we see all these other areas emerging. So. We have offices in Phoenix and Tennessee and Dallas for the fund, and we hope to follow that along with the academy. Uh, Another sort of cornerstone with the fund is that we focus on the growth side of companies. And so a lot of uh, funds and, and accelerators, they focus on teaching them how to build a product and how to raise money. And we focus on, you know, giving them money and helping them grow their business. And so a lot of companies, obviously, our tech companies are founded by technical people and product-oriented people, and they don't necessarily have the people or the resources or the skill set to grow the company, you know, along the sales and marketing dimension. So we have an accelerator that's part of the fund where we deploy human capital to help these startups Grow and get to those traction points that are necessary to raise that next round of capital. And in those efforts, we realize that there's a shortage of tech talent that isn't technical. It's the business side, as you said, the sales, growth marketing, and UX design, where UX design focuses on building products that people actually want, will enjoy using, and have fun potentially using it. And growth marketing is about awareness, bringing people to your product. And obviously, selling is about. The revenue side and and startups need those components. And we saw a shortage of this talent. So that's one of the reasons we started GrowthX Academy.
1: Got it. So you have GrowthX, which is the fund. You have GrowthX Academy. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you think about GrowthX Academy? Any thoughts that you have on education and the types of people that you are focused on in this program?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So GrowthX Academy is a 12-week, on-site, immersive, full-time educational experience. It's really intense, and it's completely transformational to the individuals that are coming to the academy. And so we focus on a couple different things. Obviously, we're very different because we're also a venture capital fund. And so we consider ourselves more of a community and not really a boot camp, because boot camps tend to teach um, coding, for one. And two, it's sort of all about the skills. And we think it's all about the community. And that's why, you know, we have startups in our community. Obviously, our instructors are world class. The students are obviously a part of that community and get a lot from each other's diversity. We run about six events a month in in all the different program areas. So we bring, you know, hundreds of people to galvanize where students get to immerse themselves in those events and participate and network with all the people that are there and not only learn from them, but potentially get jobs from them. And so all of those components and then all the startups that are involved with us. So um, students get a chance to work with those companies inside the portfolio as well as as other startups to get that practical hands-on experience. And all of that, is one large community that when a student comes here, they'll have access to that community for life, whether it be, you know, to get that next opportunity or have that, you know, they're trying to solve some big challenge at the company. And we also have a massive mentor network that want to give back and they come in and do guest lectures and they connect with our students. And so that's a huge differentiator for us. And we sort of believe in that perspective and that philosophy. And that's what makes us different, I think. Nice. Yeah.
0: So it, it sounds like you actually help uh, both the students uh, and these startups acquire these skill sets that are a must have for growth, for tackling sales, for getting that bus- their business to the next level. For people listening right now, if they are interested in applying, what are those things that you look for in the candidates who apply to Growth GrowthX Academy and what would your advice be for them to do in their preparation uh, before they apply?
2: Yes, that's a great question you know, the three different program areas have all different kinds of people. What we see in common are people that are looking to make a career change. They checked all the boxes in life. They got a degree. They were told to work hard. They got a job in the area and field that they're working in. They're typically working for a couple of years and then they go, wait a second, this is not what I wanted. This isn't everything I was told would happen. Something feels wrong. And so those same people that tend to have that feeling also tend to have a lot of curiosity. They have a goal in mind. They want to make a big impact on the world. They want to, they want to make a difference. And so we see that in people and their the curiosity, the determination, the ambition, those kind of people make the perfect student. The other big difference is, is um, people that have more of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. So A growth mindset is all about the attitude you have about intelligence and about learning. The fixed mindset, you assume, hey, I was born with my intelligence. I might learn a few things, but I'm not going to get much smarter. I'm not going to get much better. And we don't believe in that. We think that in today's um, innovation economy, where things are moving so quickly and technology is at the root of that innovation, that people are going to change jobs 10 to 12 times in their lifetime and change careers five to seven times in their lifetime. And so I think people need to get used to a lifelong learning mindset and a growth mindset about learning new things and changing because the world's going to be changing and
0: is changing that quickly. Totally. And it sounds like a lot of your students already have attempted a career or they have sacrificed kind of their hard work to get to the point where they wanted to get to. And they realize that once they Acquire those skills that they don't feel fulfilled, and your program allows them to, I guess, give them a second chance. But more importantly, connect them with the right players in the startup world, in the tech world, like venture capitalists, mentors, instru- world class instructors, who then allow them to reposition themselves and tell their stories in a way where they could kind of transfer those skills and pick up new ones. Right? What are some some of the success stories, and what are Kind of some of the backgrounds that your students come from and where do they ultimately end up going?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, We have one student, David. He had a background in uh, military intelligence. He also was a physician's assistant for 12 years. And he just wanted to get into tech, do something different, something more interesting, something more fulfilling, like he said. And um, so he's applying his intelligence background and looking at so he's going to work for a cybersecurity firm, and so he felt that he could do that on his own. But when he heard, you know, one of our instructors, uh, Sean Shepard and co-founder, talk about, you know, what we do here and what the difference is, he just thought it was the right o- opportunity and it spoke to him. So that that's one great example. Another one is a woman, Brittany. She moved from Dallas on her own to San Francisco, found a place to live here, how to you know, how to fit into a city like this is not e- easy because I think we all have gone through that experience, right? And and she was an accountant previously and and wanted to do something different and, and wanted to break into tech and, and, and in particular into startups as well. So, you know, she came through the program. She was amazing. She's applying a lot of her financial and accounting skills in a sales operations role now at one of our portfolio companies called Distribute. And so it's a great success story and, you know, we can't can't wait to see how her, you know, career develops over the years to come.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Man. And in the pre-interview, you also talked about how school or education, you tend to be taught classroom style. Um, and we talked a little bit more about how you guys are changing that model a little bit for your program. So can you talk a little bit more about what it's like to be going through the GrowthX Academy program? And whether it's like project-based or classroom-based or how that works.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you asked that because we put a lot of effort into that. So just if I could for a second, at my design consultancy prior to GrowthX Academy, we had a bunch of different universities as clients. And so we would help them design the student experience and, and that included the learning model. And so... When I started the academy, you know, I said, we, we really need to focus on that. As a designer, you know, I wanted to design this experience. So every element of GrowthX Academy, whether it be day one orientation, the pre-work we give you to, before you come here, the instructors that we have, the underlying learning model, the tech that supports the portal and their curriculum was all designed. And like any good startup startup and company were iterating actually daily on that curriculum as we get feedback, as we learn what works and what doesn't work. So that was all very important to us. And so the learning model and the learning experience is actually called flipped mastery. So there was a concept called flipped classroom. So if all of us, I think, came up through a traditional education, right, we went to grade school and we got lectures during the day and then we got homework at night. And so at day, you know, we were taught to sit there and be quiet and listen and be bored to death, listening to a lecture from likely a professor or teacher that hadn't worked in industry for years and years and years or ever in some cases. And then the really hard part, right? You remember the nights at home trying to solve those problems and you didn't have any help. And so flip classroom flips that model. And so what we do is we give people a lot of lecture material, reading material, background material, they come to class prepared with that knowledge. And then while we do introduce material through some lecturing, we then have, and each program's a little bit different, but in UX design, for example, we have studio time. So they're working on projects, they're applying what they just learned last night or the day before, the very next day in a, in a hands-on way. And so the mastery part to flipped classroom now called flipped mastery is rooted in competency based education. And so, competency based education has a whole bunch of different components to it. But part of it is that you have to master the subject material before moving on to other material. And another component is that it's a little bit self paced, right? So, some people will get some material quicker, and that same person will need more time on other material. And each individual is a little bit different. And so, we focus on that. The other thing is we do some assessments where it's part of the actual learning experience. So everyone evaluates the student in terms of where, you know, where are they at? How are they doing? What do they need to work on? And we have extra resources or extra facilitation or mentoring that we'll do with those students based on on their needs. And so also in competency-based education, there's no multiple choice test, you know, I got really good at school, you mentioned all my degrees, I became a professional student, and it was easy to pass, right? As long as you could learn to memorize material and perform well on a memorization test, you could do pretty well in college. And in competency-based education, you have to demonstrate that knowledge through you know, actually doing something, whether it be a project, a presentation, and so you have to really apply that knowledge, you have to have the skills, the knowledge, and the attitude. And those are the three, three of the things that we teach so that they can be you know successful in a, w- a real world setting. And then the other dimension is working with real world companies. So they're going to work on a project either with a portfolio company or many, many other companies we have relationships with for free for the company. We have a full-time person that supports those projects and those relationships and manages the um, expectations on both sides. The instructor's are in the background supporting, mentoring, educating through those projects. And and they get that. And through that, they're demonstrating you know, what they learned in the first four or five weeks of the class.
1: Wow,
0: that's really awesome. And just to build um, on top of what you just mentioned, um, I think it's great that you approach this problem with uh, the UX mindset where you created a, a whole program based on the student and the student's experience in mind and how they learn. Something that was uh, unique, what you mentioned in the pre-interview was uh, that you advise your students to look at jobs when they first start and come up with that criteria ahead of time versus waiting until you're maybe week 10 or week 11 into a bootcamp to start looking for jobs. Why did you guys make that decision and what do you think are benefits from that? So we came up with
2: um, something called the GrowthX Academy Career Canvas Funnel, and it's a proprietary set of processes and tools to help people transition into careers and get jobs. And so we start on day one with that process, and every week they get some curriculum, some exercises, some tools, some things that they have to do, and a person that manages that process full time, so that the students are doing because they are definitely preoccupied with learning and. Just the whole experience can be overwhelming, but we, we make sure we keep them focused on that. And it's a process where they look at the company that they most want to work for. And that's why we do the personality test in the early part of the class, day one, actually. We have a passion project where they reach back to their childhood and figure out what made them passionate and what did they love to do. And they have to go do a few things for a week on that. And then they start researching companies, the companies they think they want to work for, and they use the business model canvas to do that, and then they begin to whittle those companies down, and that's when we begin to engage the community. So the instructors have a ton of relationships, the mentors, we teach them, you know, how to network more than they already know in many cases, and so they begin to reach out, you know, to those companies and connect with them. We work on their personal brand. So When they do start talking to these people and they start looking up on their social networks they can see that they wrote about that company potentially and some of the work that they're doing and kind of their mindset and how they approach things on social which is very important these days and so and when they get to the end you know they're whittling those companies down to you know five or six that they want to interview with and hopefully get two or three job offers and to be able to you know find that person company fit just like you know startups are supposed to find that product market fit it's the exact same concept you know wh- who am I what are my best skills where do I want to work what kind of environment will I exceed in and where's that company that fits me and you know where can I fit in and we try to help people align you know put those bring those two together
0: yeah and I could totally speak to that because I've come to your events and I've got to know some of the students as well as instructors. And just by following them on social media, there's a couple of Facebook groups that your instructors are running. And I could see the students, like I remember I met one of them that was probably in his week one. I got to know him a little bit. He told me about himself. He's a little bit shy. Then a couple of weeks later, I see him post on Cora and get half a million views yeah. on his post. And that was one of the growth hacks that one of the instructors was experimenting with. And so real time, the students get to apply those Growth hacks, see what works, what doesn't. Now he has like probably like half a million to more views. He's posting on Medium, he's writing blogs, he's doing Facebook Live. And so, from kind of the growth mindset, he's experimenting with all these different platforms, seeing what works, what doesn't. But more importantly, he's um, kind of getting in the habit of creating a hypothesis, testing it, seeing what the results are, refining that, and then keep going. And I could totally see how. When he's ready to graduate, he'll be able to join either a startup or a bigger tech company and add value from day one. And it's amazing to see that transformation
1: in such a in just a few weeks. Yeah, agreed. No, it's it's really awesome. And can you talk a little bit more about the demographics of your classrooms uh, from an age spectrum or estimates roughly, and then how much it costs to be part of this program and the different models that you've approached from a accessibility perspective?
2: Sure. So our students have great diversity even early on. We started really only three months ago with our first cohort. We have people from different countries, you know, obviously men and women, people of different color and, and ethnicity, people from just wildly different backgrounds, people that come up in what you think would be a traditional family, other people that have found their way from halfway across the world and got into the country and became citizens here and you know, now are building on their career and and going on to do great things. So, and a lot of diversity and thought when we put these students together with our instructors, some amazing things happen. So that's another big part of the community is our students and the diversity they bring is just critical for today's world to have that kind of the viewpoint and kind of thinking that goes on. So I think your second question was the program cost. And so it's uh, our cost is $15,000 for the 12 weeks. We currently take $7,500 as the deposit. And then the students only pay the remainder once they get their first job. And so we really wanted to support our philosophy and our dedication to getting students' careers with our pricing. And so that's what we've done.
1: Got it and so given that you guys have a fun in the academy are the students that go through your program required to go to a portfolio company or do they go to all kinds of other companies or how do you think about that
2: yeah that's a great question and and the answer really comes depends on what the student wants to do they absolutely do not have to go to work at our portfolio company that's just an option for them we have relationships with all kinds of tech companies we have 150 startups here at galvanized in the building and Some of our students want to work at big companies. And so as soon as we know that and they begin to work on their canvas and their funnel, we begin to engage our network and community to help them do that. And so, yeah, it's really, it's up to them, not really up to us. We're there to support, you know, what they want to do and their best fit. And we're happy to give them advice on that, but
0: it's ultimately their choice. Totally. And uh, you mentioned in the beginning that there's a big tech shortage. And that's part of the reason why you guys started the Growth Academy was to fill that gap. And you, like as someone who got multiple degrees as well as a doctorate and UX design, what is your view on kind of the traditional education versus kind of uh, immersive programs or kind of learning educational experience programs where people are able to acquire a skill set or transition to a career without having to go through a traditional university or graduate program?
2: Yeah, that's an excellent question. Actually,
0: Sean Shepard,
2: one of my co founders, and I, 10 years ago, had this dream of starting what we called the professional sales college. And we did that um, for all the same reasons. As a UX person and that having that kind of background, even though I've, I've worked at over 10 startups, so I had to learn a lot of different disciplines like marketing and selling. And I've done those roles. But in the UX design, I was frustrated with my education because You know, part of UX is cognitive psychology, I had that. Part of it is human factor psychology and engineering, I had that. But traditional education tends to focus on, you know, the theoretical and the academic. And there was no design education in my education. A lot of it was engineering and psychology and how to approach man-machine systems and human computer systems. But it was missing several elements that the modern UX designer needs. And no professional organization or educational institution was keeping up with that. And so I spent all the years I spent in education, I really looked back and said, how many of those classes really, really helped me be a UX designer? And it was really very few. So my goal with the UX program was to compress that education, bring all the most important things into this program, as well as make sure that you covered all the skills that were required so that they could go out and be what, in the industry, they call a T-shaped designer, which means a very broad skill set and generalist in all of the UX design areas, but then maybe deep in one or two areas. And so that was very important to me.
0: Yeah, that's great. And um, for um, some of our listeners who are... uh new to the tech space, they might not know what the term a growth marketer means or even what UX stands for. I know it stands for interaction design and I work with designers, so I know what that job entails, but how would you describe uh, to someone listening, what are the types of problems that each track focuses on and how are you guys preparing them to tackle them once they're in the industry?
2: Sure, sure. That's a great question. UX design is an exploding field that's moving beyond sort of traditional products and digital products into services and experience like GrowthX Academy, right? Students don't interact with a product, they interact with a service, with a educational experience. And so so we teach UX designers those methodologies and mindsets and frameworks that can be used to whether you're designing a, you know, an iPhone app or a university experience, you can do both of those things with the methodologies and the frameworks that we teach. In growth marketing, it's kind of a newer, you know, discipline and field. Some people call it growth hacking. We don't necessarily like that term. Someone challenged us at one of our events and said, "Isn't this just marketing? And why is it growth marketing?" And I believe one of my co-founders said that, you know, shrink marketing just wasn't a good option. So, you know, growth marketing was kind of the name that was chosen in the industry, and it's really It's really about marketing, but using technology in the unique ways that technology operates and the capabilities it gives you to find people and generate awareness and to acquire people into your funnel when you're selling a product per se. And so there's a little bit of technical skills that are involved with that. But most importantly, there, there's actually UX design skills that we teach in growth uh, marketing because as you're designing conversion funnels, for example, you need to understand people and what they expect and, and the needs that they have and how they behave when they go through those funnels. And so that's growth marketing. Sales and business development is all about you know selling in a way that selling is the most complicated because you know no one grows up wanting to be a salesperson. And our perception of sales has been the used car sales guy, right? And the miserable experience that is, and sort of the personalities and people in those positions and selling in technology is completely different and selling in startups is even more different. And so we teach people, you know, how to take young companies that haven't grown yet or necessarily even having a market yet and to figure out how to get to product market fit. You know, small company, I think Steve Blank said that small companies are not, you know, startups aren't, you know, small versions of big companies. And so you have to approach them completely different. And so we teach that approach from a selling perspective so that startups can get to the truth as quickly as possible. They may not like the truth, but they're going to get there as quickly as possible and be able to make those decisions about what to do in a
0: very capital efficient way. What are some examples of um, kind of the things you teach to the sales uh, in, in the sales program or some of the tactics that the sales people are able to apply to get to that truth faster?
2: Well, most of the sales curriculum came out of what we call our market acceleration program, which is part of the accelerator in the venture capital fund. And so that's a, a process that we teach that that is really a lean selling technique. It's very sort of efficient in terms of running experiments and, and testing hypotheses and finding, you know, looking for those market signals and finding those market signals. And so we teach, you know, lean startup and business model canvas. And, you know, to be a salesperson, you have to be a really good business person. And so we teach business acumen, we teach them about different popular selling methods like spin, challenging sales, entrepreneur selling, et cetera. So if they're familiar with those different models that are out there and when they go to a company, a company's usually using one of them. And so, you know, we teach them so they understand they're familiar with them. But it's really about being that sort of renaissance rep. That is one potential role where you're the first sales hire in a startup. And usually it's the founder that performs that role. But then you're you're looking for that predictable revenue, right? How do I get to something? Who is my ideal customer? And what's their profile? How do we speak to them? How do we message to them? How do we discover the market? Is there a market there? Are they resonating? Because the whole world's a market, but you 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 need to find that customer that's going to buy today from you, and that's sort of the the model that we teach there.
1: And to clarify, you and know, Arthur's point about truth, when you and correct me if I'm wrong, what you mean when you're referring to that is like building something that the customer actually wants and needs right now. Because a lot of times you might have an idea for a product and they're building it in theory, but without talking to customers, you don't know whether that's actually something that they need or want right now.
2: Yes, you've nailed it. You nailed it. And there's there's something you've probably heard called the founder's bias, right? We all sort of have it. If we build something, we think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. We think all we need to do is build it and they will come. And that never, ever, ever happens. (laughs) And so- And so how do you get to those? Now, some people have easier roads than others, like Facebook, you know, they did okay um, Mm -hmm. without a huge marketing budget, but most companies aren't going to be Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's getting to the the truth of, do I have the right product and the right market? And if I don't, you know, what do I do about it? Yeah, yeah. Sooner before I run out of money, because once you do, then, you know, that company's gone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, great. So the next uh, part of our podcast is, the lightning round. And that's when Arthur, Rubin, and I will ask you a series of questions that are specifically focused on some tactics, resources, maybe strategies that you've used or you teach your students to use to get these jobs and startups. So with that said, Arthur, take it away. Yeah. So this question kind of takes it back to the basics and refocuses on resourcefulness. So imagine if you or one of your students was dropped in a new city and you had to start from beginning you didn't have necessarily the skill set or the funds to support yourself let's say you only had a hundred dollars what would you do and how would you start over again to get to the place where you are now or potentially get a job in tech am i talking to myself or someone else (laughs) so let's imagine it's uh, let's put you in those shoes if you were starting from scratch and you were in a brand new city and you only had a few hundred dollars what would you do to find that break I would call my parents for more money.
2: That's the first thing I do. I'd look <laughs> for funding sources. But no. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, again, I, I think along the lines of our career funnel, the first thing I would figure out is what what can I do right now with the resources I have and the situation I am in and who needs that? And not only that, then who will will pay for that and find a way to do it quickly? And And if I can't get money, I'm going to volunteer and prove myself until they they find me invaluable. And that, that's what I would recommend to other people as well.
1: Got it. And you, you talk a lot about psychology and understanding people and things like that. And, you know, naturally when it comes to a growth mindset versus like a traditional linear path, um, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. So whenever you were going through one of those valleys on your way to one of those peaks, was there any like routine or music or movie that you watched that helped you break through that struggle where like maybe i'm not built for this path or maybe i'm incompetent how did you motivate yourself to break through those walls
2: yeah well i i'm a musician i'm a guitar player and i'm kind of in the vein of you know joe satriani kind of stuff and so that kind of music and the the um virtuosity of it and the rock of course it just boils my blood so I can always find some good music to listen to to motivate me. But the second part of that answer is I struggled for a long time as an entrepreneur in those down periods because they're inevitable. And I always struggled. I struggled with it because I thought it was the end of the world. And it took a few, you know, successes and failures or as my co-founder says, learning experiences to realize that it's going to be okay on the other side. And it's not only usually okay, it's actually, gets better. You know, you you go on to a better and a bigger opportunity. So I just got comfortable with letting go and trusting the process. And it's interesting that I say that because we we survey our students um, like on day one on their onboarding experience as part of the student experience and the management of that experience. And we survey them throughout. And then when they graduate. And one of our students, one of our questions we ask is, What advice will you give future students? And one of them said, Trust the process. Trust these guys. They're going to make you uncomfortable. They're going to push you outside your comfort zone, but you're going to learn a lot. And so don't resist it and trust the process. I wish I would have learned that like these guys are learning it today when I was younger.
1: Yeah, I really like that you shared that because um, when I first moved out here and bought a one way ticket without a job and had a place to live for a month, one of the first things that I saw. I'm walking into this city was a a wall that had graffiti on it and said, trust your struggle. That's always like stuck with me. And like, if you're working really hard and things don't work out and you're doing your best, what's most important is just to keep moving forward and keep doing your best. And when you look backwards, you'll, you'll realize why yeah. all those things happen to you. So. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and I was actually going to ask you the question about the advice, but since you answered it, I'm going to twist it a little bit. And let's say you, Let's say there's uh, this person who is a um, couple of years out of college. They've had some experience in the industry, and now they're they think that they have the growth mindset. But at the same time, they've been going up this hill of uh, climbing this corporate ladder. What is the one piece of advice that you have for them at that moment in time? And let's consider that they are interested in startups. They're just still unsure about whether to continue what they set out to do, or kind of go over to that other side. That sounds like you've been on both sides. So how what would you recommend they do?
2: Yeah, you know, we think there's little difference between personal and professional development, and that's why we focus on both here. I think it comes down to the individual and the better that you can uh, the better you understand yourself and who you are and what you can tolerate and what your risk is about will help you make that decision. And again, I wish in my younger years I had a program like this or a mentorship or a mentor of some kind that would give given me that same advice because if you're not comfortable with amb- ambiguity and chaos and things changing quickly, then a startup might not be the place for you. But if you wanna, if you feel like you want to work for yourself one day and you want to start a company, then maybe go join a startup, a bigger startup. You know, if you if you don't feel like you can take the risk right now, you know, go get that experience and what it's like. See what it's like, and then eventually, you know, you can do something on your
1: own. Yeah, Yeah. and and that's great advice, um, especially about trusting your gut a lot because it's consistent with what you said during the pre-interview about how there's no great jobs where you're told what to do anymore. And sometimes, like even though we have mentors and we're here for a lot of people, sometimes you just have to follow that little voice inside you that tells you to take that leap. So.
0: Yeah. And just to build on what you just said, um, a lot of the times the risk we, we tend to over exaggerate the risk versus uh, just saying, Hey, if I'm curious about startups, I might like let me just go and do it and then if I don't like it, most likely you'll always be able to go back to the industry that you came from, whether you were a truck driver or a school teacher, maybe worked in finance. So if you think about the risk in perspective, like maybe crashing on your mom's couch for a couple of months is not going to be fun, but at least you're going to give it a shot to try out something that that's itching inside of you. Yeah, it
2: does come down to perspective sometimes because I, I tell people that risk is, um, you know, some people, a lot of people think bigger companies are less risky and I don't agree with that. Um, not in today's day and age, I've seen too many companies, you know, bigger companies be You know, just wiped out. We've all seen it, right? Blockbuster, Kodak, these guys had 100 year positions. And I think there's some, I forget the exact quote, but only like 15% of the Fortune 500 companies that were around 80 years ago are around today. That's going to begin to accelerate even quicker in the innovation economy. And so, you know, risk to me is more less about the company and where you're at. And so, you have to have that growth mindset and you have to be able to adapt to different and changing conditions. And the better you do that and the more you learn how to learn and learn how to adapt, that's where you're going to reduce your risk. And whether you go to work for a big company or a startup, you realize with that mindset that you you won't be stuck in the position that you're in at any given moment. There's always something ahead for you.
1: And it goes back to what you said about choosing the right company, because even outside of Fortune 500s, there's a lot of startups that have gotten all kinds of press for getting billion dollar valuations and large rounds of funding that ended up you know going down a path where they have down rounds and things like that and so um, you really gotta you really gotta do some due diligence ahead of time before making the decision.
0: Yeah, no for sure and for our listeners who are interested in learning more about Growth acts, I know you mentioned that there's six events per month that you guys host. And I know that you're also testing out and with Facebook Live and kind of streaming those events. What are some ways that our listeners could find you and learn more about the events and the programs you guys are running?
2: Yeah, the best way to get a hold of us is to go to our website, which is GX Academy for Growth X Academy, gxacademy.com. They can always email me, Wayne, at gxacademy.com as well. And everything's on there. Our events are listed there. Um, we also have a special focus on veterans and helping them transition out of those positions in, back into industry and into tech in particular. And so there's a page all about that there as well. But yeah, all of our information is there. The events are free. They're amazing events. We have great speakers, some of the leading, you know, people in their in their industry and field coming in to speak and, and their
1: mentors of the academy. So that's all available there. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the people that have spoken and some of the people that are in the mentor network
2: yeah, so um, uh, Max Altshuler, for example, is one of our mentors on the sales side. He runs um, an organization called Sales Hacker. It's one of the top professional organizations. He puts on conferences. He actually just hired one of our students, so it's just awesome to see that happen, right? Um, and they're not doing it as a favor for us. You know, they grill these people, and they they come here and see what we're doing, and they're supportive of it, and they want to hire the people when they figure out you know what we're doing. So you know, that's one of the folks on the UX design side, um, Peter Mer- Merholtz came and spoke. He is one of the founders of Adaptive Path, which is one of the most well-known UX design agencies that was acquired um, a couple years ago. We've had Josh Vector, our our head of growth. Um, he has someone every week and I can't even think of a name off the top of my
0: head, but they're... Kevin Lee, who is also one they, of our guests. You were at uh, the um, event, yeah. Yep. He was one of our guests on our podcast. He's a product manager, started product management at HQ. And he was also one of the speakers at one of your events. And I know that you guys also hosted uh, your first GrowthX conference last week with over 400 or 500 people in attendance. And the speaker lineup was amazing. I mean, for five hours, it was Growth Hackers, the founder of Hustle Magazine or publication. There were so many great speakers who shared tactical advice on how to start businesses, start mailing lists, start online businesses. So I definitely recommend our listeners, if you're interested in growth or UX or sales, start going to these events or start following them online and then you can make a decision for yourself.
2: Yeah, most of our staff is available at those events. So all the co-founders, like you mentioned, Josh, um, our other co-founder, Will Bunker, who founded a site that eventually became Match.com. So he has spoken to thousands of entrepreneurs and, and helped startups and he's invested in over a hundred companies himself. So just lots of great resources and you can find out
0: a lot and more importantly, learn a lot at these events. Nice. And um, you mentioned something earlier that I was meaning to ask you, so I want to make sure I get that answer out of you before uh, we close up. So you talked about personal brand in the pre-interview and during the podcast and the you talked about how building out your personal brand has helped a lot of your students uh, get those jobs. Can you just talk about that for a little bit and uh, maybe mention how like some of the use cases or some of the things that you've seen your students do to actually like take make that an, an advantage for them.
2: Sure, yeah. Yeah, we think that's very important um to create an online presence. I even thought I knew what that meant. Until I saw all the great people we have here at GroTex Academy teach our students how to do. It. And I was like, oh boy, I need to brush up my game. And so it's not just about being on Twitter, it's what to do on Twitter and what to do on Facebook, what to do on Quora and Medium. And so we help them establish those presidents. And a lot oftentimes we have a student um, write about every guest speaker that comes in. They'll write about what they talked about, what they learned, they go to events and they'll write about those speakers. One of our students, just an amazing, amazing individual. He wrote a story that had nothing to do with what he learned here, but it speaks to the kind of character and students that we attract. And it, the story on our blog, so you can read about it there. But he helped a homeless guy. He like he would pass by him every day, and then he, you know, and every day he thought, well, you know, I'm, I would like to do something, but not today. And so one day he actually, you know, stopped and did something. And I thought, that is so cool. You know, so he helped the guy get a job. You know, he bought him some clothes. You know, it was just just amazing. And the guy got a job. The guy got a job. He helped him um, take a bath. The guy hadn't taken a bath in a while. And obviously, I'm getting emotional, but it's just awesome. I mean, how many people do that, right? And so that's the kind of students we attract. And I just love the guy for what he did. And it's awesome
1: yeah no it's a powerful story i remember arthur shared it with us um and we also got emotional we we're like oh man those are definitely people we want to be in line with because those are the people that really need it need to hear from us so um really awesome yeah. that your yeah. your students made up with that you of guys check out character. the
0: blog there's a core post and i'm sure it's on the growthx blog as well but just kind of the story kind of grabs you with just the because everyone kind of has the yeah, same mindset but then once you see the guy the transformation he went through by just after like I guess like after a few hours of taking a shower and getting a new set of clothes, this guy looked like he looked so much happier, more confidence. And then when he went for the job interview, he nailed it. And so a lot of the time, people think, oh, like this, we might underestimate people that we see on the streets and be like, oh, that's it's gonna take them a very long time to kind of turn back into the side or kind of find those jobs. But if we help them out a little bit, then hey. It's definitely possible. It's a lot easier than we think. Absolutely, and when
2: that, when employers are looking at that, you know, what are they going to think about that individual? Right? How far
0: is he going to go for our company? That's awesome. So, Wayne, we want to thank you again for being on our podcast and. All the stories you've shared. And uh, we re admire what your program is doing for a lot of the students who are trying to kind of get a fresh start in tech. And um, yeah, let, we'll keep following your progress and we'll have to have you and one of your co founders on again at some time.
2: Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I
0: really enjoyed it. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.